Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. Summer library programming is almost here. The theme for 2022 is Oceans of Possibilities. We've asked the staff of the Mississippi Library Commission to talk about some of their favorite ocean-related books and movies, as well as to share some fun facts or a personal memory about the ocean. Stay tuned. My name's Elizabeth Scott. I'm a reference librarian and a social media librarian here at the Mississippi Library Commission, and I'm here to tell you about my ocean story. So when I was a kid, my dad was a court reporter, and every year we went to the Mississippi Court Reporters Convention in Gulfport, or maybe Biloxi, you know, they're right next to each other. And so mom and I would go to the beach and he would go to his, I'm sure, fascinating sessions that they had every day. So one year we decided to go out to Ship Island, which is still like a big thing, the Ship Island excursions. If you know about Ship Island, there is no shade and the ferries don't go all the time. They run on a set schedule. So we accidentally missed our ferry back and we got the worst sunburn that I have ever had. And it was so miserable. But the rest of that stay, we stayed inside and we read books and we relaxed inside instead of outside. But I still love Ship Island. My husband and I went recently. We did not get sunburned. I planned way ahead of time. We got to ride the little boat out to the island and we had just a great time. So to go along with my story about my horrible sunburn when I was like five is a book that I loved when I was about that age called The Chop Box Story. And it's by Don Freeman, who you might know from Corduroy about the little bear. But this one is about a box of chalk and there are eight colors and they all come together and draw a picture. So Brown draws a little sand hump and then blue draws the waves and it comes together where it's a little boy and he's stranded on a desert island which kind of gives you the same vibes as my ship island story but then green draws a turtle and the turtle helps the little boy get off the island and takes him to safety and then he comes back and he goes to sleep on the island and it is the sweetest thing and it's out of print but my sister hunted down a copy for me a couple of years ago for Christmas so now I can read it whenever I want. Hey, my name is Alex Brower, and I am talking about the book Life of Pi by Yann Martell. It is my favorite ocean book. I read it for the first time in high school. I have reread it several times, and seeing it makes me want to check it out again. It is about this boy who goes on a ship, and the ship wrecks, and he is stuck on this raft with a tiger and several other animals, but of course, terrible things happen to the animals so at the end it's just him and this tiger going across the ocean there's so many beautiful things that happen there's some terrible stuff that happens it's like a fever dream of what you what happens when you get stuck on a raft but oh my gosh it's so good 
I actually made my high school English teacher read, read it, and she added it to the curriculum, so I'm very sorry to all the people who came behind me. But it's such a good book. It's so beautifully written. It takes you through this amazing journey, and then there's this huge twist at the end, which is just fantastic, and I won't spoil that like I spoiled the um, <laughs> deaths of the animals at the beginning, so sorry about that. But it's still just such a good book. Oh my gosh, it almost makes you want to get stuck on a raft. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just so you can experience all these beautiful things, even though it is horrible. Hi, I'm Amy LaFleur, and today I'm going to talk about oceans slash a lake, and I'm very excited. Uh, I feel like I'm going a little bit rogue because I'm actually going to talk about a film instead of um, a movie, and also, from my memory, it's going to be a lake instead of the ocean. But here we go, and let's please uh, indulge me in my rebellion here. For my film, my grandmother actually had this VHS when I was about eight, and it was by National Geographic for their Really Wild Animals series, and this version was Deep Sea Dive. And so I got to learn about all of these different ocean animals. I think they had something about, like, seahorses, and they talked about, you know, how seahorses give birth and how that's different, right? And then they talked about, like, some jellyfish, and they're like, look at how pretty these are. And my little eight-year-old self was like, yes, they sure are beautiful, and I love it. And then they even did this thing where they attach this critter cam to like a sea line and they're like look what he does and then they like showed the video of him swimming around from his POV and it's pretty cool now it's probably like my most and least favorite part though because it was like it was fun it was a cool idea but then it was like also very dizzying I guess so I was always like leaving that part of the movie like oh my god my eight-year-old self has a headache now thanks so much National Geographic but yeah, I really, really love that film. Uh, I would probably even recommend it now, even though we probably know more about like sea animals now, like 20 plus some years later, because I'm old now, sadly. But yeah, I really love that. I love learning about the different ocean animals. And I think this is maybe a good segue into my memory now. I've always kind of had this weird dichotomy when it comes to animals, like I love learning about them, like watching that film, right? Or even like going to an aquarium and watching the fish swim around. I don't necessarily freak out if I see a snake, but here comes the twist here. Lord help us all if it touches me. Like, never ever touch me. I don't like touching gross looking stuff or even gross looking people, which is maybe a mean thing to say, but it's true, it's just how it is. So you need to know that, and let's move on to the actual memory. Uh, when I was about eight years old, we rented this cabin down at Clarko, which is just a state park around the equipment area of Mississippi. And we were across the way from a big lake, and there was a fishing dock. And, of course, my dad was all excited. He brought all his fishing gear. It wasn't something we did a lot, so I think he was kind of like, yay, we're making family memories. We're going to fish on Saturday. It's going to be our main weekend event. Anyways, we get down there, and lucky little me I was the first person to catch a fish and I reel it in I'm all excited and I see it's this little green brim and he's real cool so I'm like holding my pole and I'm sorry for all you listening you can't see my actions here just gonna have to imagine it but I'm all holding my pole and the little fish is like hanging around looking at me and I'm all like studying it and I like get my face kind of close and my mom's kind of like hey uh that fish is going to slap you and so my eight-year-old self is like well Amy ain't getting fish whacked today so so I'd manage, you know, my eight-year-old wisdom decided that the best course of action was to take my pole like a javelin and launch the whole thing into the lake, fish and all. So the fish is like totally along for the ride. 
by the way, like just hanging on for his dear little life with his mouth on the hook, but like he made it, like he hit the water and he swam off and the pole went with him, of course. So then my dad had to put down his fishing pole and like run out in the lake and get it. And he had like a very short window of time because he doesn't know how to swim. So he couldn't let it get very far away, but he managed, he managed to get it and like get the fish off the hook and like release it and the fish was fine. But yeah, that's like one of my most favorite, you know, lake, ocean, water memories there was the time I threw a fish in a pole into the lake because I didn't want to touch it or get fish whacked. Hi, I'm Mary Rogers Beal and I am the Talking Book Services Director here at the Mississippi Library Commission. Um, today I wanted to talk about a fun summer book and it is called On the Island by Tracy Garvis Graves. And a little bit about this book is that it's about a teenager and his um, tutor who survive a plane crash. They um, are on their way to the Maldives to join his family for a fun summer vacation. And of course, things go wrong. They get deserted on an island, but you know, they survive the crash. Spoiler alert. The book just kind of shows like how they survive and you know, they're there for years. So after plenty of years, stranded on this island they show you know how they survive and they do have some experiences with some of the wildlife especially there's some cute scenes with dolphins and you know because dolphins are so personable they become friends with the dolphins and there's a shark encounter I'm not going to give any of it away but it's a little a little suspenseful and so after they're there for years and you know they've both gotten older they they do become closer and there's some romance and you know it's just a really good book I I've just enjoyed it and sometimes I'll reread it because it's such an easy read I would suggest it you know if you're going to the beach or going on a break or vacation take it and read it and it's a good enjoyable easy book and you know I just maybe don't read it if you're on a plane I have to keep myself from reading books about plane crashes especially if I'm going over water because the ocean is very cool, but you know, it's also pretty scary. But I really think people should read this book if they just need an easy read and one that they, you know, can really get into and, but don't really have to take too much time to get into it because it's an easy read, quick read all the way through. Hi everybody, I'm Lacey Ellenwood. I'm one of our library consultants here at the Mississippi Library Commission. Um, and in support of our summer reading program this year, I'm gonna share with you some of my favorite documentaries that are around surfing. Uh, I will mention some documentaries that may be upcoming depending on when this podcast airs, as well as some just general recommendations for maybe some autobiographies about surfing that you may wanna include in any sort of library display around summer readings theme this year. So to kick things off, I'll just share a couple of documentaries that are out currently on different platforms um, that touch in different areas of surfing. The first documentary I'll talk about is Take Every Wave, The Life of Laird Hamilton, and that came out in 2017. It is currently available on Hulu if you wanna check it out. And it chronicles kind of the life of an icon, Laird Hamilton, who engages in big wave riding or surfing. 
And so for those of you that don't know what big wave riding is, this is surfing where you as a surfer are assisted with a jet ski and the jet ski kind of propels you into these giant waves that you really wouldn't be able to paddle out to. And so when I'm saying big waves, I'm talking about waves that are 70, 80, 100 feet tall, and you're just riding a surfboard down them. And it, it's really kind of mesmerizing to see this tiny human just surfing down a giant wave. So the next documentary that I'll talk about is on HBO. It came out in 2018. It's called The Momentum Generation. And so The Momentum Generation is a group of surfers that came together in the uh, 1990s out of a small house in Oahu where there was a core group of people, very young guys that all lived in a house together and they surfed together and they really kind of evolved surfing from what it had been in the 60s and the 70s and then moving it into a newer generation of combining surf culture with music culture and video and it has fabulous interviews from legendary surfers like Kelly Slater, Shane Dorian, Taylor Knox, um, Ross Williams, and then uh, the person that actually did a lot of the uh, recording of these videos, um, Taylor Steele. So it's a good documentary that shows the camaraderie and the competitiveness in surfing. And you, like I said, you can catch that on HBO. Beyond these documentaries, you may also want to add to your display Hound of the Sea, Wild Man, Wild Waves, and Wild Wisdom by Garrett McNamara. He's another big wave surf rider, and you can catch a documentary about him chasing um, his goal to ride a 100-foot wave. That's also on HBO. There is Barbarian Days by William Finnegan, and so that is really all about Finnegan's travels from Maui to San Francisco to Fiji, chasing the, the perfect wave, tripping acid, and kind of a tales of just kind of the weirdos and misfits he meets along the way. And you may have Classic Crack Hour by John Krakauer. So this is a collection of his adventures, but there is a particular story in that um, chronicle about Mark Fu's last ride. And so Mark Fu, unfortunately, um, had a wave take his life. And so you can read that story in um, John Krakauer's book. So I hope that you have enjoyed some of these recommendations about surfing. And uh, thank you for going to your public library. My name is Jennifer Peacock, and I'm the Deputy Director of Administrative Services here at the Mississippi Library Commission. So when I found out that the Summer Library Program was about oceans of possibility, it made me think of my favorite fish that's in the ocean, which is a stingray. Stingrays are actually a group of sea rays, and they're kind of related to sharks, which you think can kind of be a little bit scary, but my experience with them was really very positive. Some fun facts about stingrays are they're very common in the coastal tropical waters throughout the world. There's actually 10 different families of stingrays that you can find depending on where in the world you like to go. I got the opportunity to spend some time with them when I was doing a vacation in the Cayman Islands. I went to Grand Cayman and I wanted to take some time to swim with the stingrays, so I went on an excursion where I got to get on a boat go out into the water. They don't take you real far out because stingrays actually kind of stay in the shallow end of water. So we didn't go too far out and you get to get off the boat and then they hand you this, it's like fish bait kind of, um, they call it chum. 
And so you're down in the water, and these stingrays are all swimming around your legs and feet and all around you, and they hand you this chum, and you hold it under the water, and they come up and they suck it out of your hand. It's a really, really weird feeling, but it's kind of neat. So once they realize that you're there to feed them, they like you, and so they keep swimming around you and swimming around you. So they get comfortable with you, and you get kind of comfortable with them, so then you get the opportunity to pick them up and hold them. So I had that chance, and I got to put my arms under one and be able to feel all under the belly and pet the top and just hold on to him, and they kind of feel like a sponge. It's a really weird, it's a squishy kind of feeling. So it's a really neat, neat opportunity. But you got to be really careful because they think after a while that you're some of that food too, and they'll start sucking on you. So if you don't be careful, they'll leave little suck marks on you, and then you just let them go. And they like to get back into the tide, and they're not really very active animals. They really prefer to kind of bury themselves in the sand mostly. They kind of blend in with the ocean floor. So when they do decide to come out and swim, they just kind of sway in the ocean side to side. So they're really, really neat animals to watch. So that's why when I think of the ocean, I think of stingrays, because they're just my most favorite thing in the ocean. Hello, this is Shulin Bivens, and I'm going to talk about a recent fiction that came out last year that I recently had the opportunity to read uh, during the holidays. And the title of the book is Ocean Prey, P-R-E-Y, and it is yet another book by John Sanford. And it is, I believe, number 31 in the grouping of prey, P-R-E-Y, books that he has written. This particular book, Ocean Prey, is what I would call a beach read. Uh, it has a little sex, it has a little death, a little drug use, and everything gets all wadded together in a way that kind of keeps you turning the page though you think you know what's going to happen. So there are some interesting caveats. In all of the 30 plus books John Sanford has written in the Prey series, he's normally had two primary characters and they have never appeared together before. One is uh, Lucas Davenport and he's a U.S. Marshal. However, there was another character created a few years ago named Virgil Flowers, and Virgil is an agent, if you will, of the Minnesota State Police. Most of the books that had been written with Virgil in them were all based in Minneapolis and the Minneapolis area. A lot of them were solving murders in very cold conditions. A lot of them involved ice fishing, and now this book is taking Virgil on all new kinds of adventures, uh, one of which is he's going to learn to scuba dive. To give you a little bit of the background of the, of the book, it's going to open with uh, a young man and his wife. They are off the coast of Fort Lauderdale, they're in their boat, and they notice mysteriously another boat in the distance. They kind of watch it, and they are retrieving things from the ocean floor. 
Well, this is unusual to them because they're native to the area, uh, and they know there's a coral reef out there, and there's a, a very strong undertow. So that's not a place that you would normally do any kind of scuba diving. They continue to observe, and as the, they follow the boat from some distance, as it goes to port, uh, they are confronted by three Coast Guard agents. When the other boat comes into dock, Coast Guard agents, three of them, meet that boat, they are immediately murdered right there on the boat, right in front of everybody, and then they blow the boat up. Well, what you'll find out is by blowing the boat up, there were no fingerprints left that were usable. So now the search is on for who killed the three agents. It's, it's a nice little fun read. It's the type, as I say, a beach read that if you're getting ready for this summer, uh, you might want to pick it up and take it with you. So the book is Ocean Prey by John Sanford. Hi everyone, my name is Natalie and I'm the Grants Coordinator at MLC. Uh, today, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some geography and we're gonna talk about the Strait of Gibraltar, also known as the Straits of Gibraltar. Of course, staying on theme with Summer Library Program this year, the Strait of Gibraltar is a strait between Northern Africa and Southern Europe and it connects the Mediterranean Sea with the Atlantic Ocean. The Strait, as you can imagine, has an incredibly important role by serving as a route of transportation and trade historically and current day between neighboring nations and also works as a preserver of rich biodiversity in the area. For example, it has a consistent population of killer whales each year. That doesn't really seem to be in decline or growing. It's just a consistently maintained population of killer whales. The width of the strait is about eight miles, and on a sunny, cloudless day, you can even see the rolling hills of southern Spain from the beautiful, sparkling shorelines of northern Morocco. I read about the Strait of Gibraltar, I, I suppose because it connects the Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean is the wave currents kind of kind of go left to right, and they kind of cross. I, I'm not sure. I'm not a scientist, have not um, officially peer-reviewed that uh, claim, but... What I can tell you is it's a very bumpy ride. <laughs> so when I, was, when I visited a friend in Morocco, we went across the strait because um, we wanted to go uh, to Spain for the evening. And it was, um, I don't want to say jarring. That sounds a little dramatic. But I would say that my bottom left my seat a couple times because of the bumps from the waves. So uh, yeah, hot coffee, not advised. <laughs> <laughs> maybe on that, uh, maybe on that uh, little boat going across, but it was it was enjoyable. Hi, I'm Tracy, and I'm going to talk about a couple of books that are water related. Instead of calm, wonderful, you know, beautiful rocking waves, I'm going to talk about Rising Tide: The Great Mississippi Flood of 1927 and How It Changed America by John M. Barry. Now, you might be thinking this sounds kind of boring, but this book is not just about the flood. It is the story of Mississippi. It deals with politics, race, greed, evil, and then you get a lot of horrifying facts about the power of the Mississippi River. The words churn and royal, not 
R-O-Y-A-L, but R-O-I-L, are on almost every page. It's based, the, the Mississippi River is basically a monster, and it's horrifying and fascinating, and it's just a really good read. And a companion book to that, if roiling is not really your speed, is The Tilted World by Tom Franklin and Beth Ann Fennelly. Uh, this is a novel that's based around the 1927 Mississippi River flood, and the storylines involve moonshine, and there's a romance, and it's set in the Mississippi Delta, and it's just a gorgeous novel. Tom Franklin is a fiction writer, and Beth Ann Fennelly is a poet, and they happen to be married. That combination just has resulted in this absolutely fantastic novel, and it's very clear they read Rising Tide. Um, because you, there's no way you could know all that stuff about the river if you hadn't read it. So those are my water-related books, and I hope you want to read them too. Thank you for listening to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.